Welcome to another episode of Movie Mumble, your monthly movie exploration and discussion podcast where four friends talk about movies. <laughs> I'm your host, Scott, and uh, for those of you unaware, Movie Mumble is just basically a book club, but with movies, and we podcast it, so you all have to listen to us. Um, <laughs> we, every month, we take turns picking a movie, we watch it together, then we talk about it. There are no rules about the movie we can pick. They can be new or old, foreign or domestic, live action or animated, something we've never seen or seen a million times. Um, and at the end of each episode, we announce what we're watching next month, so you can watch along with us if you'd like. I am joined by my... I don't know, I don't have a, I don't have a film-related joke this episode. I Fellow loot. Actually, <laughs> trapped yeah, friends, friends also trapped friends. in the exceedingly repetitive life that is 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Joel Lewis. Howdy. Tim Gerard. Hello. And Zeke Perez. Hi. Thank you all for joining me again. Um, oh, and we don't withhold spoilers for anything we talk about, uh, particularly pertinent this episode, because we actually have a recent movie. So if you're worried about that, go away. Watch it first. <laughs> come back. Definitely come back. So, yeah, so this month, Zeke was our movie selector, and he brought us Palm Springs, the Hulu movie, not theatrical movie. Also, is this like our first non-theatrical film basically yeah. i think it's our first direct to streaming film period direct to streaming wow. for sure yeah crazy welcome to 2020 um this podcast a... is now sponsored by hulu uh, this podcast <laughs> is now sponsored by diseases um <laughs> our, our uh, palm springs is a hulu film a i guess it's a comedy drama right i don't mm -hmm. know i haven't yeah. had need to use that term in a while a dramedy but um, about, I mean, I, I don't know how to describe this, not just because of the streaming situation, but because so much of it is like, it, it has Andy Samberg, who's the Lonely Island guy, but it's not a specifically Lonely Islandy movie, the way some of the others have been. It's like <laughs> a regular feel like a movie. Sandberg joint. <laughs> right. So I guess I'm just going to stop and ask our movie picker, Zeke, to tell us about the film and about why you brought it. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'll start with, you know, how we got to it or how I picked it. Um, and it was just, you know, it was something that came out, like you said, direct to streaming in July of 2020. And, you know, not a lot else was coming out then, not to disparage this movie, but like it was a little bit of a dry spell in movies, right? No theaters, no new movies. So it's just something that happened upon Hulu. And, um, you know, Natalie and I, my wife, were looking for a movie to watch. Um, you know, we're big Andy Samberg fans. We love The Lonely Island. Um, the un unauthorized Bash Brothers experience is one of my favorite things because uh, <laughs> Lonely Island plus baseball. Um, I also thought about or maybe still will bring pop star Never Stop Never Stopping <laughs> to, to this podcast. So we'll yes. see about that. Um, I actually do genuinely like that movie. Um, so big Lonely Island fans. We're always listening to the records. Uh, love SNL, love the movies. And so we like Andy. So we, we threw it on, but I'll be honest, like when we threw it on, like it, it was just on Hulu, right? I did, there wasn't a lot of buildup to it. I didn't know what it was. So I wasn't necessarily like ready to sit down and do a whole movie night. It was just a thing that we threw on one night and the way it started out, um, you know, it starts out as kind of like your typical rom-com. You've got a, a guy and a girl who were both at a wedding and they both seem like they don't want to be there and you think it's going to be a rom-com about they're at some wedding they don't want to be at and they find love together. 
And then uh, Andy Samberg's character, Niles, gets shot with an arrow <laughs> by, by, by this fucking guy named Roy, J.K. Simmons', Simmons. character. Yep. Oh, and man. that's another thing. I love J.K. Simmons, so another he thing was that brought amazing. me to this movie. Um, so he gets shot by an, with an arrow, and you're like, okay, what is this turning into? Is this some sort of like weird Lonely Island humor, like manhunt sort of cat and mouse thing? And you start to settle into that for just a few minutes. And then it tears on to this... Uh, time travel or like time loop groundhog day sort of experience and so then i was sitting there like okay so this is just going to be like groundhog day but applied to a wedding or to a rom-com and then you go through this whole thing and then it ends up being a really heartfelt movie a really um i don't know a really good one and so i think one of the reasons i brought it is because of all of the different things that it is or that it seemed like it would be along the way because of how much it surprised me um so I kind of did the, the, the what is the movie there. So I'll, I'll go through and do that a little more cleanly, I think. Um, so starts uh, on, a, opens at a wedding. Um, Andy Samberg's character, Niles is there. And uh, Kristen Malati's character, Kristen Malati from How I Met Your Mother. She's the mother there. She's been a few other things. Uh, Sarah, her character there at this wedding. And, um, you know, they meet up and you know, he's trying to talk to her. Uh, they kind of run away for the night. And then, like I said, he gets shot with an arrow. J.K. Simmons is there hunting him down, says he'll always find him. Um, he stumbles into a cave. Sarah follows him into the cave. And next thing you know, they wake up and it's the start of that morning that we saw earlier. And she tracks him down, says, what did you do to me? What'd you bring me into? Um, he kind of explains it. The day keeps repeating. And so essentially they're trapped in this time loop energy thing um, that is pretty well laid out as far as like time traveling movies go, like the, the rules are established. Um, so they're stuck in this time loop and they're reliving the same day every day. When they go to sleep, they wake up and it's the, the start of the same day again. If they die, they feel the pain, but it's the start of the same day again. Um, and so they just go through living this and they're dealing with what is the meaning of life when you're stuck living the same day over and over. Um, you know, and then Sarah starts to try to figure out how can they break out of it? Um, you know, eventually they do and, and, you know, you get some special moments and some funny moments along the way. So that's kind of a, I mean, it's a jumbled movie because it's a time travel movie, but I think that's as <laughs> straightforward as it can be explained. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's about it. It felt, Obviously, the comparisons to Groundhog Day are obvious, but this felt a lot more focused and pointed mm -hmm. than Groundhog Day, which was really refreshing. And somehow the the total opposite in terms of location and weather, you know, because they're right. in the desert <laughs> in the summer, you know, was just also brilliant. That is true. Yeah. Um, so this is, like I said, this is the most recent film we've ever had on the podcast. Uh, Never mind the streaming and the other 2020 related stuff. I, except for doing the disaster artist, really. This is I mean, Portrait of a Lady of Fire. We watched maybe three months after it had come out in theaters. So that's true. That one Same was relatively yeah. recently, mm -hmm. but so it sort of seemed. Did this did this displace anything else on your list, Zeke, for podcast? A picks? little bit. I mean, yeah, I had a long list of like things that I marginally was interested in bringing, or I don't know. Yeah, just 
things that yeah. I didn't necessarily feel strongly about. So the usual pack of things you wrote down in a brainstorming session and none of them has jumped out at you yet. Right, right. Yeah. And I kind of checked a lot of other boxes that I wanted to check in past movies. Mm -hmm. um, so this one was just fresh, just liked it a lot. And yeah, it, since it was so new, I think that is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it. And yeah. new, widely available uh, on Hulu, get your subscription now. <laughs> um, and just th thought I would bring it to the table for, for that reason. We're approaching Animaniacs level of <laughs> selling our souls to Hulu. That's, that's, all, no that's all I could ever hope to be. <laughs> but no joke, I've started the new Animaniacs. It's, it's incredible. Phenomenal. It's it very is, good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, should we move on to first impressions? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Tim, do you want to start us off? Yeah. Um, so I remember so I, I also watched this with my wife because, uh, you know, she doesn't like a lot of movies, but, you know, she was kind of interested in it, like when it popped up on Hulu. And then when I was like, oh, I have to do that for the podcast. It was like, OK, cool. Um, so it was kind of nice. It was it was like a nice like couple movie to watch. And um, yeah, I kind of, you know, again, expected it to be this romantic comedy. And I, I, I really like how at first you're seeing these little like inklings of something that's that's kind of not quite normal you know and at first i was like is he like psychic or something because there's that one part where he's approaching her on the dance floor and he's like interacting with people as though it's like this choreographed ballet and like you know taking the glass taking a sip putting it back on the tray moving the chair so that when that guy falls he like sits in the chair and like i was just like okay like there's there's something here you know um so i i, I really dug that that, that it very quickly kind of like it, it, it established okay yes here's that whole we've got to go to a wedding thing okay there's always some drama at a wedding but then it's like oh but this isn't normal you know okay so what's what's going on here um and then it, it very quickly escalated so i was just like oh oh damn okay you definitely got me now you know <laughs> um yeah and i really i i really dug like how also how drastic it was like the fact that there were multiple people who were having this experience so that like Roy, you know, again, this wasn't like his, it wasn't his first rodeo with this either. So it's like, you, you can see it, it just kind of like up the ante, you know, like, Oh, there's a guy hunting him with a bow and arrow. Like what, what the fuck like this, <laughs> you know? And then once you realize that it is like a, a repeating day kind of scenario, like that's when all that kind of falls into place but you're also like holy shit yeah like this isn't this isn't new to him this isn't his first time going through this either like like there's already stuff that's been established and um so yeah it was it, it very quickly pulled me in uh for that reason um and i i like i i think i've seen groundhog day like years ago when i was a kid like i'm I, I don't have like a hard on for it the way like a lot I know a lot of people do and like same thing with Bill Murray in general like he's funny but he's not like this this comedy god to me like I feel like sometimes people and maybe that's also just because I just recently saw his Christmas episode a few days ago and it was just kind of like huh who 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 wanted this to be made um so so it was kind of nice I like I like that idea of the the using that that time loop as a a storytelling device so it was very, it was nice to have like a new version of that, not have to like, be like, oh yeah, you know, that with, with a day repeats, like Groundhog Day, it was kind of like, okay, this is like a, a new thing. Um, but it also like evolved it, I felt like, you know, uh, like again, having the addition of other people coming into play. Um, mm -hmm. And I always, I also really liked how they, they dealt with the idea of, um, you know, yeah, like it brings all these things. And, and I feel like they've done that in movies before, like with like, if you're immortal, 
does life lose meaning? Because the idea that we can die and taking risks and enjoying life while we have it is what makes life meaningful. So they were able to like explore that from another perspective, which I really liked. Um, but also that idea of, you know, sort of being able to, to learn things and, and the, the degree to which they did it. And it wasn't just, you know, like, is it, is that part of Groundhog Day or is another one I'm thinking of where someone like learns to play guitar and he like plays a song for the girl he's trying to woo. And it's like, you know, so, so maybe it's another one, but, but that idea of like, you could, you could learn skills. Like even though everything around you resets, like you still have your, your memory and you still have your, your mind that you're carrying forward. So in addition to just like the, the, the memories, like, you know, she, she learns like, what is it like astrophysics or whatever the fuck, you know, quantum <laughs> physics to be able to figure this out. It's like, like, fuck man. Like, yeah. Like you could, you could, you could really like better yourself in this situation, you know? And, um, you know, I always think about that too, where it's like, oh, there are too many shows to watch, too many books I want to read, and there's not enough time. And it's like, oh, time loop, like you could, you could do that. You could watch these movies and have the memory of watching those movies and just take that with you into the next thing. So it was really like almost inspiring in a way, like it was in, it, it, you know, intriguing in that sense. Like, what, what would I do if I was doing, you know, really got my, my wheels turning. Like, what would I do if I was kind of stuck in that loop? And of course, but you also have the inconvenience of like, it's not like he's at home where all his shit is, like he's off in this other place. And, and I like how they even explored like her driving all the way home only to wake up back there. You know, it's like you could spend the day taking this trip, but it's like, if it's far enough away, you really, you know, you don't get the chance to access any of that stuff. Um, I, uh, yeah, like, I like how they played around with it. The idea of, you know, dying, um, being part of it where J.K. Simmons says like, you know, like he had a concussion so that the hospital, they were keeping him awake. <laughs> so he was just like in agony for days mm -hmm. because he couldn't fall asleep and, or die and reset himself. Like I, like, I thought that was fucking clever as shit. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times we do get that where it's like, okay, I want to start this over. Let me just kill myself real quick and I'll end up back in at the beginning, you know? And um, yes, yeah, so I just feel like there were, there were a few like little, little quirks, like where they really like played with it, like took it to the next level, like, you know, it wasn't just, oh, this is another time loop day, like Groundhog Day. Like it, it, it took it further. You know, I feel like, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I've seen that in other other shows and TV. Actually, I was watching on Disney Plus, they have uh, Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas and like Donald's nephews all wish that it could be Christmas every day. So that like sets up this whole like repeating thing. And it's like, okay, cool. That's very relevant. You know, so there's a, you know, I feel like there's... It, it's it, it's it's sort of this nice platform where it's like um yeah okay the day's gonna repeat but what do you do with it i feel like you could you could fit that into many different scenarios and the the fact that it's a wedding and i think also the fact that we drop in on the middle of andy sandberg's repeating the day i feel like a lot of times when it happens you see the character before leading into it and then they have to figure it out you know so it's almost like you know he wasn't the main character he was kind of almost like the you know the, the the helpful sage who kind of teaches her how to navigate this whole thing um but if your so, helpful sage was andy samper <laughs> right yeah <laughs> and, he, and he also you know fucked you a few times <laughs> you know, like, a lot <laughs> a few but, a few dozen a few hundred yeah. Eh. Thousand, <laughs> yeah. um so so anyway yeah like i i really dug it i really liked you know how much yeah how much heart it had um i mm -hmm. i i really like too that i think you know if you look at something like 
uh, and again, it's, it was years ago since I've seen Groundhog Day, but I think a lot of it is, you know, he's, he's trying to impress this girl and he's, I feel like he tries to learn skills, but, but it feels kind of almost like manipulative, you know, because it's like, he's, he's aware of something that she's not, and he's able to create a better version of himself to continue to present to her through this trial and error and learn things that he can then take and kind of use against her in a way. But like with this, what I really liked about it was that like she ended up being in the know too. And they did have to get through like, oh yeah, I was groundhog daying you. You know, I, I I was kind of, you know, fucking you over and being dishonest with you. But like she kind of learns about that and they get to kind of get past that. And they're kind of on equal footing in this scenario. So I thought that was kind of cool. It made it more of a uh a little more romantic and less creepy, you know, less manipulative, um, you know, eventually, like I said, it was manipulative in the beginning, but once she knew it's like, okay, we have to deal with this now. Um, but yeah, so those are, those are all my first impressions. And oh, I, I wanted, before I forget to my favorite line in the whole thing is when he goes to see JK Simmons. Oh no, I'll save that for my favorite scene then. Never mind. <laughs> I wonder if I feel like I know what you're going to. I, I hope we're on the same page. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Don't be jumping the gun here, Tim. Uh, yeah, sorry. Okay. So yeah, I'll come back to that. <laughs> I wish I'd remembered my opening lines of this episode, and then I could just repeat them every so often and pretend to be the time looping our own episode. But yeah. <laughs> that ship has sailed. That's that's a level of commitment that we've never had on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the most commitment you got was my my dumbass, his name is Tolu as joke from the Fight Club episode <laughs> for each of you. It was well crafted because it was um, so long and coming, we really appreciate it. <laughs> um anyway, Joel, what about your first impressions? I I was really frustrated at the end of this movie because we didn't get to talk about it right afterwards. I this is always a good sign. See, at, I watched it today, this afternoon. Gotcha. After. So you see to do that. <laughs> so not that like Tyden and I talked for hours after this movie. And it 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 went it it brought up relationship stuff. It was this huge arc and fight and back and forth. Like it was good. Like it was a really quality discussion, but I feel like a little bit, like I took very little notes. This is the first time I've only taken like taken one page of notes and it's not because it's, it's lacking in content or it's, it's, it's not shallow at all. We, we we talked about a lot of it last night. So I was kind of lamenting the fact that like the way the f- podcast has had to shift going to this kind of the Zoom format that we didn't get to have like the strike while the iron's hot because it's so rich and so immediate and it deals with these philosophical concepts about the meaning of life and nihilism and making meaning out of, out of the, the quality of life, the presentness that you can live through this unique time loop setting so it was just that that was my immediate first impression like man i wish we could have this conversation right now like that that was because whatever i was going to write down it just it seems so much more ethereal than anything i could like kind of tabulate um and i i'm not somebody i've never seen groundhog day i'm familiar with it i know what it is um so and i went into the film knowing that it was a time loop or time travel. Like I, I had that context. I didn't know exactly how it was going to play out. Um, but I, it, it didn't ruin it at all because I assumed 
that we would be following uh, Andy, Niles' character, Niles, nihilism, nihilistic. There's puns galore in this. Um, I thought we were going to follow his first loop. That was kind of the, the narrative I was preparing for. And you start to realize as this, the, the narrative's going on that he's been there. He's our sage. He's, he's the experienced one in this. And our choral character, our point of view character is Sarah, which I thought was really great. Like just a, a really, I think this plays with the genre, though I'm not as familiar with the genre from, I think Groundhog Day would be argued as like the, the, the prime example of a time loop movie. Live, without, die, repeat. Right. right. Yeah, well, that yeah, that that's also, yeah, that one's come much later, and that's when one's much more video game inspired. And but sure. like Groundhog Day j- seems to be like the one. That's the thing. Like time travel in a mundane, realistic location, right? So li- li- live, die, repeat. Um, oh, okay, I get what you mean. I'm right. f- I'm forgetting what the real name of that film is because it has a different live, name. Live, die, repeat is the real name. They had to change it, it because now. of certain country. No, it was. They had to change it, so it became Edge of Tomorrow. Right. But right. that's why all of their marketing had the slogan "Live, die, repeat" real big in the title in the corner. <laughs> so, um, but I, I was thinking time loop. If sorry, right. yeah, yeah, no, thinking... absolutely. And but I just kind of like. I think the the closest analog would be Groundhog Day, and I I, I think of that as like ex- experimental in in a certain sense with like the 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 setting being the loop, and how somebody operates within that. But I thought this was really unique and really seemed to play with what you would assume to be the tip of what I assumed to be the typical progression of that storyline, having never seen Groundhog Day. Um, it, it it was really. <sighs> I don't know if I'm just like becoming a prude. This I'm I'm let's let's just like I'm gonna hone in on this real quick. So it starts really soon and there's a sex scene and a disinterested sex scene followed by masturbation. It's this like weird kind of like and I don't know if it's just me being like I want my porn in one category and I want my movies in another. I don't know if I just don't want the twain to meet, but I was just like irritated as the movie started because of that influence it but then it pays off later than you when you realize the the soullessness the 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 lack of warmth in that scene has to do with the fact that he knows and has seen a million times played out that this girl has cheated on him and will continue to cheat on him and that like i'm so glad even in hindsight within the context of the movie that that's how they started. Like, I think that's the main, main thing is like anything I was irritated with this movie, it fixed except for the very last thing. And I don't, I don't really want to, to get into too much to, I don't know if I'm even irritated about it. Like it, it's just, it's interesting. I think this whole movie does a really good bait and switch. It does a lot of defying your expectations and in a really clever and unique way i think this might be one of the most original films that we've watched on movie mumble even though it comes from this tradition and it but like i think it plays a variation on the theme of the time loop in a way that i don't think i've ever seen before and i it was just really clever and i mean i like lonely island i i kind of i i'm a captain jack sparrow guy i dip in on that stuff i'm not as as devout to uh a uh an acolyte for them as it but it's really funny that could like the sony pictures um uh text came up like that that production company font and it had the lonely island guys on it, it i thought that was really funny but it, this is just uh, kind of going into it i was i was expecting 
kind of that kind of humor as kind of like the 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 marrow of the film and with that first scene kind of like get, reinforced mm-hmm. that as like i don't know if i'm going to be able to get it's not but, only a bait and switch in the film terms but right. in meta terms because Absolutely. we're watching andy samberg do his goofy right. dead-faced masturbation joke and thinking <laughs> oh yeah this is that okay great here's the actor we know for that kind of thing it's in the, great yeah and that's not this like i i i have grown to love andy samberg i really like brooklyn 99 was my tipping point once i finally Mm-hmm. locked into that show and understood what it was it it, it everything i i went back and appreciated um how did i, I not, not plug brooklyn 99 in my in my lonely island love fest andy samberg love fest <laughs> intro that's why we have edit that people. back in let's start this over tomorrow and then i'll edit that back in don't make me wait longer to discuss it that's rude <laughs> joel you don't understand we're going to discuss it every day forever. <laughs> always so like I guess I think that's the thing is just I I was really surprised by this film and that's mm-hmm. that is the holy grail of reviews from me to be surprised by something is so rare nowadays and it it just it was really cool I I I I'm really glad to have seen it I'm glad that we finally get to talk about it and I will stop my first impression commentary there yeah I I agree. I mean, I loved it. I loved the the bait and switch. I loved the way it took old pieces and rearranged them to make something new. You know, I loved all of that. But I also really, I love a good, what I want to call a hotel movie, (laughs) which is sort of detached from space and time outside of its immediate grounds. I mean, Mm -hmm. Bad Times at the El Royale is like that. Um, Lost in Translation is like that. Uh, Clue to a certain extent, not not a hotel, but similar kind of like transitory. Sorry, what film? Clue. Yeah, yep. No, exactly right. And I I agree. There's something particular about a hotel, which maybe is just from my history of travel. Um, so I they they just kind of nailed that that feeling perfectly in a way that didn't feel like it was an inevitable byproduct of setting a film in a hotel, and also didn't feel like they were trying too hard. It just came as a result of the film. I'm a real sucker for that aesthetic, that whole desert oasis resort aesthetic, mm-hmm. um, which was just great. And yeah, I mean, the whole, yeah, all of it, what you said, right? The whole, the way it surprises us with who the main, who's the focus of the film character-wise, the way it surprises us by having all, all having our characters grow and change. Sometimes when we're not paying attention or without mm-hmm. even telling us, like with Roy, I mean, it's great. I just, you're right. It was the perfect mix of something I already knew given to me in a way I'd never experienced before, but I also enjoyed. Yeah, that's, I don't know, that's about it. Because it wasn't completely new, which is great, but it has its own, you know, positives and negatives. And it wasn't just another, another time loop movie in a hotel or, you know, it, I don't know. You guys basically both said it already. You kind of encapsulated my feelings. Should we step up to favorite moments? I know Tim, you were you were right there. You were on the cusp. <laughs> yeah. But actually, can we have Zeke start off yeah. with his favorite moment since he brought us the film? Sure. Yeah. And I'll go ahead and um, give you a second impression or a, a multiple time impression. No, please. Yeah. So yeah. watch it again. And I don't know. It's one of those movies that like. Um, I don't know. There are a lot of movies where once you know the spoiler and you go back and watch it, it's 
changed, right? And there are some where it's changed in a negative way and you're like, well, I know the payoff, so it's not going to hit me the same way. But this one I, I've watched, uh, you know, we watched it last night to prep for this. And then I watched it again today, you oh, know, wow. on lunch kind of in the background just to, mm-hmm. and I feel like I found something new every time. Um, and there are just so many hints, Tim, um, you mentioned, and I think that was one of my favorite scenes on the rewatch was when he comes dancing in and he's, he knows what everybody's going to do. And the first time of seeing that, I was like, okay, this is a little bit corny, a little bit goofy. Is he just like, you know, going with the flow of the party or like what's going on here. And then you watch it the second time you say, okay, um, you know, he, he knows what's going to happen and that's why he's acting that way. Um, uh, you know, Joel, you were mentioning this one where, uh, just the the soullessness that comes with his girlfriend cheating on him and the first time you watch it right and he's there with sarah under the window where uh, misty's cheating on him and she's like well, aren't you gonna do something or something like that and he's like well there's no world where these two don't it's end up together yes. and that line is so perfect because yeah. when you first see it it's like oh it's destiny like these two like their personalities are just meant to be together but he literally means like he's lived every day day in day out and those two are meant to be together because that's how it's going to play out. And that's what they do. Um, I mean, the very first scene, it opens on uh, the goat that they use to, yeah. you know, test. Like, that's the very first scene. It's yeah. desert, close up on a goat. Oh, damn. Earthquake, um, earthquake yes. right. Um, I mean, you get the, he's in the pool. The guy asks him, how's his day going? He says, today, tomorrow. It's um, all the same. It's all, yesterday, it's all, it's all the, the same. same. Yep um yeah you know he's talking with sarah at the bar and, and the the nana comes up and she says oh i've been to uh, more weddings than you can imagine and he's like i don't know about that like, yeah. you know? yeah. so just, there's all these hints that i i love to go back and see on the second and third watch and like they enhanced it more than anything right it wasn't like oh i know the spoiler it's like oh wow they were dropping all these hints the whole way through and mm-hmm. um you know you get things like like you guys just mentioned the characters changing sky you mentioned that, um, and right, you you see Niles, and he's very lethargic, and he doesn't care about anything, and he says, "We're living the same day over and over; it's meaningless." And then he meets Sarah, and then they start to to come together and have feelings for each other. And he's like, "Well, does it all have to be meaningless?" And she's then she's a little bit jaded, and she's like, "Well, we're living the same day over and over; of course, it's meaningless." Um, I don't know. So there's just so much like in the character study that you can get into so much of the story. I mean, there are so many layers to the story, right? Like her relationship with her sister, who's the bride in the wedding. Um, there's a scene uh, where she walks up to the altar and hugs her sister and whispers something in her ear and the sister freaks out. And you don't realize until later, once it's revealed that um, that it's because she had cheated with the groom uh, sarah had cheated with the groom and just how much of a role that layer plays in the whole story and why sarah has her feelings about living that specific day over and over and waking up in the bed that he was in there's just so much to it i think and i know that's just a rant for for second impressions but i don't know just watching it over and over again it's one that like come to love even more um so for my favorite scenes i mentioned on the rewatch the the approach scene is a great one um I think one of the most heartfelt rom com favorite scenes is, you know, every time they start the morning over, it's a close-up on their eyes and their face for Niles and Sarah. And at first it's like a, like a what the fuck kind of, here goes this day again. And then they get to a montage where they're both in it together. They both understand that this is what's going to keep happening. 
and they start to do crazy stuff and they start to have fun together and they wake up and they wake up with a smile on their face knowing that they're going to get suspended with the other person and i just thought that was really well shot uh another sappy one when they first kiss or not when they first kiss but when they kiss in the cave to, det to detonate the c4 and kind of try to reset everything just the way it's shot with the light of the cave behind them is great um and one more and then i'll stop taking all of the scenes in the movie um and it sounds like we might have a little bit of contention on this one, but probably absolute favorite is uh, the very end, the J.K. Simmons scene at the end when he approaches Niles at the bar and says, hey, your girlfriend, you know, told me about the plan last night. Do you think this could happen? And Niles looks at him like he's meeting him for the first time because he is, because the plan worked. And J.K. Simmons is, is high up on the list of guys I want to have a beer with and I just want to hang out. So, J.K., if you're listening to this, you know, let's hang out. Coors Banquets are on me. But, like, <laughs> the, the, the acting and just the, the, the facial emotions and what he emotes in that 15 seconds, right? He approaches Niles and he's kind of, like, you know, concern, or concerned and anxious and eager to see what the plan is. And then the way his face shifts once he realize, realizes that Niles has snapped out of this day-to-day -day life and he just kind of smiles and chuckles and, and just you can see the warmth that he feels that they got out of the loop and that, you know, maybe for him that there's hope for him to get out of it too or, you know, whatever it is, right? The way he acts that scene is just fantastic for me. So those are my uh, 20 favorite scenes. <laughs> Do we want to follow the same... Uh... Uh, order tim did you want to go yeah i want to go next <laughs> so i can finally <laughs> say right so so like i did um so i guess yeah like it was one of my favorite scenes when he goes to jk simmons house because i feel like it, it it opened the world up a little bit more you know in the same way that when she drives to her house like we get away from the wedding it kind of shows like okay you're, you're not kind of stuck in this one place you know and then like when they go to the bar and stuff like that um, but I thought it was, you know, another interesting twist that like, oh yeah, like how J.K. Simmons' character isn't at the wedding from the beginning of the day. Like he's at home and like went there. So it's like he gets to kind of live out his day at home with his family and, you know, choose whether or not he's going to go to the wedding and, and hunt, you know, uh, Niles on that any particular day. Um so it's really great to get to see him as just this, this father, this regular human. Um, and it, it, it kind of also to give like Niles a break too, and be like, Oh, I'm going to hang out with this guy. Who's not really my friend, but I may as well call him a friend because we're kind of in this together and, and, and sort of, you know, get to sit with, with the family for a while. Um, which leads to my favorite line where he's like, you know, my, my son's watering dog shit. <laughs> i was holding his was shit <laughs> and it's just and it was just it was so funny because it's just like yeah it, yeah like it perfectly kind of encapsulated like you know this this idea of like how bittersweet it was for him where it's like you know i get to spend this time with my family but like i get to constantly watch my son do this asinine thing and kind of be like oh and i never get to see my daughter get married or you know but it's like but I also never get to see my son grow up. And maybe that's a good thing because if what he's, you know, and, and, and it also, I think it, 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 it makes kind of this, this it shifts this focus where it's this completely trivial thing when the, when the kid was doing it, whatever, 
but the fact that that's now getting repeated like on a loop like oh gotta water this dog shit you know oh gotta water this dog shit <laughs> it's like <laughs> it, it, it was just it, it's it's brilliant it's like such like a throwaway line but it was so so like wrapped everything in this nice little this this shit bow um so yeah <laughs> I, was, I, I was hoping I, that was your favorite line. yeah that's little joey favorite. tending to his dog shit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so good uh and I, I think a lot of what i liked about it too it just it just sort of um you know like when i was a kid we had dogs so there was always dog shit in the yard so it was definitely like i connected on that other level where it's just like oh yeah there's there's just dog shit in the yard that's just you know what life is and well you know you could i guess complain about it or you could water it and take care of it <laughs> um but i also uh I, I i really liked how much with the ending that there was this sort of scientific explanation you know, and I feel like with other movies, it was more of like, oh, the character has to learn something like almost like there's this omniscient aspect to it. You know, this where it's like when you learn your lesson, then you get to go back to normal, you know, and it's this kind of magical, you know, almost like a it's a wonderful life or, or the family man kind of thing. Like there's this whether there actually is an angel, you know, that, that the character is interacting with. Like this was like, no, we, we need science to get out of this, you know, so I'm going to learn the science to get out of this bad situation. Uh, so I thought that was that was really cool, um, it, and it was almost like in a way it kind of it was almost like boring, but it was also like I guess like yeah intellectually it was more like oh well yeah it's not there that there's some angel there who's teaching him a lesson because he's not appreciating his life. It's like no you're you're just stuck in this. There's no one you get to appeal to. You know there's no one who you you know after you've learned your lesson you get to cry and then wake up and everything's back to normal like you you got to blow yourself up you got to take a risk you know it's you know would you rather stay in this loop or would you rather try to get on to the next day and and i always love that like i feel like in movies like that too when they do finally move things ahead a lot of times like that means you have to deal with all the mess of that day you know you get to to make a mess and then reset it, do whatever you want. But when it finally moves forward, like now you're living in that world. Um, so I liked how they, like with her, knowing that she was going to try that, she got to kind of create the day she wanted to live in later, you know, cause she does reference, you know, like at one point when they're talking about like the multiverse, you know, and I, which I really like too, is like, is this a loop or is every day you're creating a different, you know, universe that's like branching off in this tree. So like, I like that they addressed that and that, you know, she made the conscious effort to be like, this is the world I want to live in. I'm going to create the day that I wish this was that my life will get to continue in. So I really liked that too. That was a, a really, a really cool moment that it wasn't like the main character kind of bumbles through and fucks everything up and, oh, I got out of the loop, but now I have this mess to deal with. Yeah, I think those are those those are my sort of favorite. Not like you know, except for the dog shit one, which is a very specific moment. But a lot of them were more, I guess, conceptual moments. So my favorite scene, I think, had like I love Sandberg and Simmons partying together. I think that is something I never knew I wanted, and just to see them like trip out on psychedelics and do cocaine and like party together, and then cry in a bathtub, like. I, I, as, as superficial as it is to like the film. Right. And it's this, I mean, it, it has these massive implications and it's this dark kind of moment. I, I just really liked their on-screen chemistry. I really, really enjoyed that. Um, the whole time I was just smiling ear to ear. It's like, 
of course they're gonna party and they're gonna party so hard and i'm so happy to get to see it um i bet the bath the bathtub scene just yes. had to be a blast on set oh my god <laughs> yes so perfect um i think i think one of my favorite lines is when niles says they don't remember but we do it's not fun to be to to terrorize to to be cruel I, I really liked that moment. We didn't get to see, like, in, in a different film, we would see them go down that dark path, like this this shit, and, and like, yeah, trying like to... world. <laughs> right. Trying to revel in a violent thing. And I really liked that, that it kind of did the work for me in that sense. There's certain other things where I... I, I, I don't know. I, I have very... That's the thing, like, I, I don't want to bring this up now, but I probably should bring this up now. Like, I didn't like that it was a scientific ending. I really didn't. And I I, I don't know why. I I don't really understand because the the moralistic, right? The 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 um Deus ex machina of figuring out the moral thing you did, the learning the thing to get out of the loop seemed to like even though there was a scientific explanation. The characters that get out of the loop, like two of the three characters that get out of the loop, have those things that we experience. Sarah has the shame from sleeping with her sister's fiance the night before and kind of can deal with that and go overcome that and works through that, right? Also, she learns fucking astrophysics. Um, but Roy also, he leaves his pristine, happy place and when he parties with adam he says this is the best night of my life so he's trying to escape the present moment the 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 day with his family in a certain sense and then what he realizes and the the kind of nihilism he experiences and i think there's two senses of nihilism i think the two interpretations of nihilism are really prevalent in this film but like what roy accomplishes is living presently through that and saying what a what a beautiful day yes thank you to the loop i'm stuck in right and that that's a way of of moving through the world and it's a moralistic lesson in, in a certain sense what he the contentedness and the presentness that he comes to as a result of that is in direct reaction to the night that led to him getting caught in the loop and because we never see how niles gets stuck in the loop we don't get any of that satisfaction he has a relationship and he grows through that relationship. And I really hate movies that where the relationship is the thing to save somebody. I, I don't think this does that too much, but that is an interpretation of the arc of Niles's character is that once he, this time intermittent, like it wasn't, it, it, the, it could be argued that neither time he brought somebody in the loop was his fault. I, I think that's, I think that's the other thing is like a lot of this is shit happens. And that frustrates me. I'm a Victorianist. That's what I did. My, like everything matters in Victorian England in those novels in, in, in Dickens. Everything's about the wheel of fate and coming around. And you're like, there's this kismet and this, this energy and this, this everything comes around. I don't know if it's just like my, my projection of what I think the, the arc should be. And that's, that's probably, I'm talking very, very vehemently in all kinds of different directions about this. Um, but I think like for me, it was less satisfying because we never got to see the origin story. And I think that's, the, I, I usually don't want to see origin stories, but in this sense, I'm like, why does Andy get out? 
other than the fact that somebody who decided to learn that he fall in love with pushes them both out. Like the growth that he does, I don't, I, we, we see that he's grown, but I don't know. We, I have two other examples of like these kind of moralistic qualms and issues that they end up dealing with and then they leave. Andy, I don't really see that because we don't see the, the first moment. I, I don't know. <laughs> My favorite scenes were, I, I, I said that already. So I, <laughs> sorry. I like, I like that. I, we don't get to learn why Niles is there, but we do get to see that he's not very happy with his life as from what we can tell. You know, maybe it started when he first found her cheating, right? I mean, who knows? So he's also trying to escape the immediate moment. And he gets stuck in the in the immediate moment, but then also free to never have to live in it again, right? And I think that in his case, you know, we see a an inability to deal with things that happened to him unexpectedly, I guess. I mean, I'm sort of guessing here based on, you know, the context we got, you know, so his whole arc is that he has to embrace the uncertainty of the future. And, and he has nothing certain about his life. We don't learn about his dog or anybody else. All we learn about is that he's at a wedding for people he doesn't know well or didn't know well or care about with a girlfriend who cheats on him. So like, what else is there for him? You know, whereas for Roy, he was getting a momentary escape from the thing he thought was mundane and boring and tedious, but now appreciates, you know, Sarah's trouble was her reconciling with the past, the whole conversation about the chocolate bar, about things she'd already done and trying to move away from those things. So I think it makes sense that, you know, Roy has to learn to appreciate what he has. Sarah has to learn to let go of what was and accept it. I think it makes sense then that Niles has to learn to stop resisting the, the future, I guess, if that makes sense. You know, I can see the three characters as each one piece of that puzzle. Mm -hmm. But my favorite scene is actually the, the end end with Roy when he goes to see Niles again and Niles doesn't recognize him because they didn't just leave Roy behind as a throwaway character. Exactly. exactly. Either within universe or in the sense of the film, they didn't just go, oh, he's a throwaway. No, they took care of him. Great, right? And B, one of my it, biggest worries is like, where's Roy? Why isn't Roy here? Why wouldn't you tell Roy yeah. you're leaving him stranded? And then they kind of give that coda yeah. and that coda justifies the message. Yeah. And then, you know, also that it gives Roy the choice because Roy has learned to be happy in the loop. And so they set it up. They don't drag him kicking and screaming. They just, you know, here it is. And I can very much imagine him taking a few more days before he goes out there to blow himself up just to really line it all up you know it's great and yeah i mean that, that that's it that's my favorite scene i just exactly i also really liked the scene where niles is lying on the the husband's the groom's bed and they're all doing coke and it because that was like straight out of those scenes from high school when you're the one who's not interested in whatever weird thing the other group is doing <laughs> so you're just kind of like lying on the bed or whatever and they're like just charging ahead with their thing do, do you want do you you know whether it's like you know do you want the whiskey i snuck in or you know do you want to all drive with us out to bumfuck nowhere whatever it was right like do you do you want to do the thing and you're just like no 
but I also don't want to leave. So they're just like, okay. I don't know. It, was, it perfectly <laughs> encaptured, and it captured that that feeling of like, they all don't want to be jerks and they want you to be cool. So they're not going to be too mean. But like, you don't have any any interest. You have disdain for what they're doing, right? So you also don't want to leave and be a jerk about it. But like, you don't know what to say. It just that, that like, this pitch perfect, that whole scene. Yeah. Another so. thing I really liked just as like a device of the film was whenever it cut from... Uh, Niles's perspective to Sarah's and back again, it was so well done. I think the pacing of going back between those two points of view was so perfect. Mm-hmm. I like just enough time to to make you really feel Sarah's absence, and then just it cuts back to the right moment where she she deter like she figures out what she wants to do like that. I I. I really liked that in both senses. And because we got kind of the over the shoulder of her when she starts throwing the, the b- full beers at Andy in the pool, like once that sequence ends from Andy's perspective, it shifts to hers and we get a different camera view and a different, like, I, I really yeah. liked that. I thought that was really masterful and clever. You, you reminded me of two things. Firstly, they had two underwater photography credits a director and a technician <laughs> who they had to hire and pay just to do those like <laughs> 10 seconds of underwater shots of beer cans landing in the pool, personally. Well, they but had second, to cut the water ballet sequence. It just wasn't in the cards. Right? <laughs> but second, I, in, 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 um, with regard to Niles not being at the start of his loop, neither is Roy. We learn how Roy got in and we know that Roy hates Niles, but we don't know what happened in between that because... Right. Niles frames him bringing Roy as a trashed, bad decision that seemed selfless at the time, doing what Roy wanted through the haze of him being wrecked, you know. But it was more likely a selfish decision in terms of Niles really not wanting to be alone and finally finding someone he jives with who isn't just another person at this party. But with Roy, you know, if we want to extrapolate from his speech about not appreciating the family he had, Maybe Roy was okay with this for a while. Maybe he was really glad to like hop out of that car and drive back down to his buddy and have a killer party night. You know, maybe they had a similar trajectory that we saw with Sarah, you know, before Roy finally just was like, wait a second, actually this sucks. And then started murdering Niles, you know, we don't know. And that adds a little bit of impact, a little bit more impact to Sarah's disappearance because you know, every time he's, even now, he's not directly responsible for bringing Sarah in. You know, he didn't say, oh, yeah, you want the light to ever end? Come on, come with me. He, you know, sort of half acidly tried to stop her. And she still hated him and still left and he's still alone. Right. Oh, like, it really, it really hits. I do want to say, like, I, I realize the cognitive dissonance of a movie that so champions nihilism and explores nihilism and having results that are just shit just happens like i understand me having a problem with that is me i know that's me that's my shit that's not the film doing it's thematically it makes sense what it's doing is all within the themes that it 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 puts out my my narrative satisfaction quote unquote is not 
a a a problem with the film and i i want i want to put that out there as soon as possible because it it's i i think it it, it's important to say (laughs) i think that's another thing and and both of you reminded me of stuff to say but you know i think one thing i liked about it is how much the movie doesn't show you right and and i think you guys mentioned before just from the very beginning like you're just kind of thrust into like you get to the 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 being hunted by Roy and then the time travel stuff really quick. Even the wedding, right? You know, most rom-coms that set up a wedding, right? Here's two uncomfortable people and, you know, here's how they're dealing with it. And then here's the two days before the wedding and then the day before and then the day of, and it takes you through every little thing. This one, like the third scene, you're you're in the bridesmaid giving a speech at the wedding. And then Niles jumps up and gives his speech and takes things, you know, talks to Sarah and takes things from there um so i don't know i i like how quickly it jumped into everything and then i like to um just just the thought of when you're reliving the same day over and over you know what do you do and how do you handle that and scott you're getting at the the point of like we don't see what roy does um but we do see what uh what niles and sarah do or at least what sarah does right because niles is however many days there but sarah right they have um you know, some serious days where she says, okay, maybe my way out of here is karma, you know, sort of a good place situation, right? And if I do the right thing, then I'm getting out of here. So I'm going to tell my sister the truth. And she finds out that doesn't work. And she says, okay, well, let's just go to town then. And, you know, they have just all sorts of fun stuff or all sorts of reckless stuff. Um, <laughs> another favorite scene is when they just invade the wedding. Uh, Niles is a bomb guy, you know, she's from origins unknown trying to destroy the wedding and just the accent that she, she delivers there is hilarious. Um, is that scene really bust into the bar with the denim jackets and dance? That one that too. From something <laughs> like, are they referencing something there? I thought that too is like, this is a reference. Know. I'm not getting like, I enjoyed it, but it was just like, is this from a, an eighties movie? I haven't seen like, it felt like it. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, just all of the different ways to handle it kind of gets to like that, that um, I don't know, the moral compass or just, you know, how they settle into the day-to-day life. And Joel, I think you make a good point. Like, you know, Niles is just there and he's just complacent and he's just going along with it. Whereas Sarah's driven to get out of it because she does, she wants to avoid the shame of, um of of what she's done so she says okay well i'm gonna learn and i'm gonna find a way out of here and carry niles too and i mean honestly niles should probably be just as driven you know waking up every day with his girlfriend cheating on him but like i don't know i like that it doesn't tell us why he's just saying yeah this is my life now i'm just gonna be here with it and i'm gonna explore and not try to find a way out i I guess i think like I identify so, I think this is why it frustrates me, is that I would be Niles. Mm. At a certain point, (laughs) it would just be, I'm going to get drunk. Like, that's all there is to do right now. And I would definitely not be the person to go learn fucking quantum mechanics. That's, I think that's why frustration is like, there has to be hope in fiction where you can make these things be arcs. Like, just... (laughs) make the loser do something because <laughs> I don't want it. Like the person I see myself in is, is failing here. <laughs> see, I, I liked though that, you know, Sarah becomes driven. She's a little bit driven the first time because she doesn't believe him right. when he's like, I've tried all of it. I tried in the karma. I tried the being nice and learning and the making people happy and the dying and the blah, blah, blah. So she only tries like three things and then just goes, Oh yeah, I guess he's right. 
and then mm-hmm. she enjoys it. But once the enjoyment wears off, you know, he presumably tried a lot of things. Right. A and lot of suicides, kind of, as right. he says. And she thinks back and goes, you know, I'm kind of just taking his word for it. Like, and he just vaguely broadly referenced a few things like, there's a lot more going on here, you know, and, and even though she's been in the loop for a while by then, she's still at the beginning of her loop journey, as it were. You know, like she never had that period of that we assume Niles would have had of, oh God, have to stop this, right? Because mm-hmm. he cuts her off. Just like, no, 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 stop, don't just just accept it. So that fire, you know, was never lit. It's the fuel is still there and it pays off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real quick plug for another favorite line, um, which you guys touched on and mentioned is when Roy says, I wish I could, you know, it's the best day of my life. Wish I could do this over and over again. Mm-hmm. Niles takes him to the cave and says, your ancestors are in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? Yeah. Your, your answers are in there. Oh, okay. Well, that's a totally different totally... thing. But... <laughs> it makes more sense. It makes a lot more sense. I like to that think one. that that line was improvised. Right. Like, <laughs> I do too. like JK just looks at Adam, like, what is wrong with you? That's <laughs> not even close. And then they broke for a laugh right after that. Like, <laughs> I hope so too. I think it would have been really nice if after their conversation at the end of, uh, in, in Roy's house, if, and I mean, this that's not how it works, but like, I was almost expecting him to give Niles his hat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I'm not going back to the wedding. I don't need the hat. Right? The party hat. <laughs> like, here you go. But I, obviously he couldn't take it with him. He's going to die and wake up back in the, the hotel again, you know? But, <laughs> yeah. I, I also perfect. Yes. He just I I've always really liked him and really liked watching him, but for some reason I don't catch him much except in odd like small side comedy parts. Mm. I I don't know. I just I mean, I guess I just don't seek him out, you know, avidly enough, but it was so great to see him in a full role that was also serious. Mm-hmm. You mean not like Justice League? <laughs> not a way to hack me. I'm done. Never mind. That's all I'm going to say. Before the podcast, I had revealed the fact that I had watched that movie and was going to try and hand fist it into the conversation. No, I'm just I mean, kidding. Okay, but no, I'm, I'm just kidding. We don't Spider Man. Well, no, I mean, okay, yeah, for, for my list, you know, Justice League, Spider Man, right? I mean, God, he was in Jennifer's body, apparently. Let's just file that under the same thing, right? Whiplash? Like, whiplash i don't know that i've have you seen whiplash i don't know no you i have to not see whiplash i'll not. bring whiplash in four <laughs> see, times from now part of your problem right because i basically on wikipedia here in an attempt to just prove me to myself that i'm just a lazy idiot right <laughs> and that <laughs> no. i just keep happening to see him in other places and go oh it's great i should watch more and like lose the thought before it's finished and i apparently i do because you know here here we go here's whiplash <laughs> right right so so it just that was it was great to see him here in this mm-hmm. a lot you know and and plenty of him and to see him used for more than his voice too right yeah because it, even as J. Jonah Jameson he kind of exists only to wave his fists and speak you know <laughs> he doesn't exist to be a, a person and he does right? it damn well <laughs> so so it was great to just see J.K. Simmons as just another guy too mm-hmm. that was really refreshing. Yeah, list of people. If you're looking for another, like... another small part of his, he has a kind of a recurring role, I think, in um, uh, Party Down. Okay. But a catering oh, that's company. Right. Yeah, I feel he like he comes that. in. Yeah. 
he's sort of like, you know, this, uh, I think he's like a, a movie agent or something like that. Um, and it's, you know, it's one of his typical type roles, you know, he kind of pops in only in a few episodes, but you know, again, it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's another little side role he has, but it's definitely worth watching because he's of course great. <laughs> Check that out. Tim, I feel like we should talk about like the science versus the, the kismet thing, like the moral, <laughs> I don't know, like, it's interesting because I, I'm I'm enjoying the metaphor in this and you're like, no, I'm glad that it was just scientifically based, which I think is yeah. diametrically opposed from right. how we normally read things. I mean, to be fair, I think that's only because so much of the time it has, it has already been some sort of supernatural like other thing. And, and that was kind of like why I said too, like, I, you know, I found it kind of like boring and disappointing in a way because it wasn't, it wasn't what I personally would have, would have wanted, but I guess it, analyzing the film, it was like, this was a good move for the film to make because mm -hmm. it was a different thing. So yeah, so it, it was weird when I said that. Yeah, I, I personally didn't enjoy it. It was me being analytical about the film that said, oh yes, good move, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, I, and, and I also, I think that's because like, that wasn't what the film was about. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't about you have to learn your lessons then you can get out of here kind of forcing you to learn your lessons which it's like are you really a good person if you're if you're making if you're being forced to make good decisions you know it was kind of more like the decisions don't matter you know if you make the right decisions you're still going to be stuck here and then oh i found a way out of here that doesn't have to do with whether or not you make the right decisions but i'm also going to choose to make the right decisions and be a better person anyway so it kind of like maybe that's kind of what I liked about it was that it wasn't a, you know, there's this God figure that's deciding, you know, God slash Santa Claus, you know, are you naughty or nice? You know, if you're naughty, Dear then you Lord get Santa. a present. Yeah. <laughs> it was more of like, you know, it was like, yeah, almost like an, an atheistic take where it's like, here's the science that will get you out. Now you get to choose because you can, you can make the choice to get out and you can choose to either still be a bad person or a good person or, or, you know, to kind of not necessarily that they were bad people, um, but like continue to, to stay in the, well, and I, and I feel like maybe that's part of what they were going for with this too. I feel like a lot of times we, as people, we, we learn patterns, you know, and we kind of repeat those things in our life. I mean, not the same way, but you know, we are in a different situation, but we kind of do the same things, make the same choices. And, you know, it's about, yeah, kind of choosing to break those patterns yourself. Um, so I kind of like that where it was more of like a, 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 a self-help kind of, you know, it's up to me to fix my own life. You know, I can, I can stay here and do, you know, like, like you mentioned, like that they, like the whole violence aspect of it, you know, and, and, and that's something I've always felt uh, very strongly about when you hear people talk about like, you know, oh, well, if there was no, you know, if there was, uh, you know, either no God or no laws, you know, then it's like, oh, I can go around and kill anybody I want. It's like, is that really what you would do? You know, if you woke up tomorrow and there was, it's like, hey, there's proof that there isn't a God who's going to put you just murder a shit ton of people. Like, like that's the only reason you're being a good person right now is fear of, of punishment for doing shitty things, you know? So I feel like, I think that's what I liked about this is it, it took out any sense of, you know, you can either be good or be bad and the outcome will be the same. Now, who do you choose to be? You know? Um, so I really, uh, you know, I think as, yeah, as I dig deeper into it, that's what I did like about that, you know? Um, so, 
but yeah, you know, you're, 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 you're right in thinking that, that normally I'm the one where it's like, oh yeah, there's this sort of lesson here in this metaphor. But I think maybe that's part of it too, is like, I, I, you know, when I'm expecting something like that and it happens, it's kind of rewarding in one sense, but then it's also kind of like, okay, this is, you know, the same type of thing I, I watch all the time. So to have something that was like, you know, that I guess, you know, part of it, that, that nihilism, you know, which is usually not something I gravitate to because of that, you know, because it's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I tend to not believe that it's like, oh, our actions don't have any effect and it doesn't make a difference, you know. Um, but the fact that, you know, what I do appreciate is if our actions don't make a difference and then if you choose to still sort of take the high road, you know, that actually says something about who these characters are as people, as opposed to like, well, I don't want to spend eternity in hell, so I'm going to do what you tell me to do. But deep inside, I want to fucking kill everybody. It's like, that's fucked up. You're not a good person, <laughs> you know? Like, I, I really like, Scott, what you had said about, like, the progression of the different characters, about being past-minded, being present-minded, being future-minded, and mm -hmm. those being the arcs. Or He's the, afraid of the future. Roy's yeah. running from the present, and Sarah is uh, afraid of running. the past. Yeah. yeah. I, I really like that. I think that satisfies that itch for me. I think that that crystallizes it really well. But also, like, I just need to get with the nihilistic program here because that's the film is about interpretations of nihilism. Like the the difference between how Roy begins to settle in and appreciate and say yes, thank you to the present of his day with his family, juxtaposed with the candy bar analogy is perfect like no two better examples exist like that's that's the difference between like the the nihilistic interpretation of rick and morty right like nothing means anything be a giant asshole and then like the true like true like if you're going to use nihilism as a way to live your life that because nothing means anything you have to generate meaning from your actions like that it has to mean something to you for it to mean anything and like those two interpretations are really well crystallized in this film. Like, I think there was another thing is just like, these are the, this is the dick in the box guys. Yeah. They're very clever. And where it's like why, <laughs> why the opening works, right? With the yeah. dumb. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's not just yeah. them dressing up and playing, like dressing up in the suit and going to the bar, right? Two kids on uh, stacked on top. It's not that at all. These, this is like really well. Vincent, adult man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really loved, um, you know, Tim, you made something occurred to me that you, I can't, I can't anything. I can't type all week. I can't <laughs> type. I can't talk. Tim was talking and it made me think of what Zeke said about how he likes how they don't tell us everything. Yes. I really like how they didn't tell us everything about the scientific solution, right? She goes and figures it out and we see that she's figuring. And then at the end, she just shows up and goes, okay, great. Here's your answer. We explode ourselves because science. Boom. You know, we didn't have, have Niles wanting to know all nitty gritty or her over explain or whatever. We just, we just got it. I loved it because it gave us a, a realistic -y, science y explanation, but it didn't become primer, <laughs> you know? So mm -hmm. I'll take it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I like that, but I also just in general really like films that I've said before, I really like films that know when to be silent. And I talk about Tarantino's films a lot with regard mm -hmm. to that. But I, 
I guess I never really thought before about films that know what to not tell us, if that makes sense. And mm -hmm. not just in the sense of, you know, the films that reveal something later, tell us at the right time, but just to not tell us at all, because who cares? You know, and, and you know, I've always been a little bit upset when we get told something that doesn't add anything and just makes us go, what was that? Why? Like, I, I never realized how much I appreciate the lack of that in a film before. Right. I think this one open. Yeah. hit a good balance of, of science stuff, right? Because a lot of time loopy or time travel movies um, either just say, here's the thing, we're time traveling, it is what it is, mm -hmm. you know, get with it. Or like there are some that try to overexplain and, you know, throw a bunch of jargon at you unnecessarily or a lot of stuff like that. But I think this hit a good balance of like provide, you know, providing enough about the cave and the situation to explain why the loop happens, what happens with the loop. Um, and then later on how you get out of the loop without overdoing it, without underdoing it. I think it, I think it hit a good balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was thinking another film that dealt with the, the sense of time and place really well. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what the phrase I want, but it puts me in mind of looper mm -hmm. in the sense of like, the time travel is secondary to what's happening, but we understand yeah. just enough of it, you know? Yeah. It's another movie that kind of goes through montages and, and when you finally follow how <laughs> Gordon Levitt becomes Bruce Willis, like <laughs> that's kind of, it comes late. That progression is, is really kind of an interesting late coming element of that film. I think I'm, I'm, I'm wanting like kind of the generative things that this is inspiring is like what, might have caused like the loop and i'm like how many people have said this is the happiest day of my life i want it to play over and over and is that like what tala as the the bride is thinking and that's why they're cursed is that sh she wants to replay her wedding over and over again and it's this like i and that's a, like I, just kind of that weddings have this i like this this idea of like the perfect day right like this is something that's like the happiest day in in somebody's life and they want it to be played on repeat and it goes by so fast that you don't really remember it right like the whole mental pictures from the office with pam and jim so like i feel like there's another like a subplot where somebody like makes a deal with the devil to get to replay it <laughs> and it, everybody else gets kind of stuck with it and i'm kind of like just enjoying that kind of thought experiment of like that's the thing, like, Zeke, I I love your wedding. That's one of my favorite days ever. It was like Thanks. picture perfect. <laughs> but I imagine if I replayed it a million times, there'd be something to find I didn't like in it, you know? Right. Like, and that's, it, it just was, it was really interesting to, to think about that as, well, if you want to relive your wedding day over and over and over, if that happens, you're trapping everybody else there too, which right. is really interesting. Well, yeah. And I like what Tim said about, um, you know, the idea of like, is this just repeating for everyone or is there multiverses where the decisions they make are just spiraling off? So now you have, you know, one, one universe where Andy Samberg ran in talking about, I used to be a bomb guy and shot off a giant explosion uh -huh. during the wedding. Another one where, 
you know, Sarah goes up and, and admits she cheated and ruins the day for the bride. Another one where, right, we get the, we get the one where she slips and falls and, and breaks her teeth. Like all these other things that are just <laughs> so the good. same day is so terrible in all these different ways for all these other people. And you're focused on the two and, and Roy a little bit too, but like, you know, what is the day loop or what is the multiverse like for just everyone else stuck in this? That's a good point. That's a, I think you had said about Stalker, like you want a, a, an hour long episode of Twilight Zone. You want the origin story. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of what this is inspiring in me is like, I, this is just such a rich environment and so cool. I want to yeah. see Andy's first time. I want to see like how he copes with it alone. Because mm-hmm. that's another thing that kind of, we don't see him truly alone in it until people have left him like before that. So that loneliness kind of motivating the partying with Roy's character and also the internalized guilt of getting too fucked up and wanting to stop him, but getting too fucked up to being able to, to prevent him from living this cursed existence. Like right. there, there's so many avenues I mean, that's that's the the fun of like the thought experiments is like mm-hmm. there's all these different things that you could talk about within with this one time loop construction. Right. I'd like to see, you know, I mean, obviously the first time he Niall sees Misty cheating on him. Right. That's got to be heartbreaking. And what that brings, like, how do you go from that to him saying, oh, you're cheating on me, you goof? Like, how do you get from that to that? Um I don't know. Yeah. There's just so many, I had another one too, that I'd really like to see, but there really are just so many different um, pieces of that. That would be interesting to see play out. Ooh. Yeah. Another, Cause when they have sex that first time in the first loop that we see mm-hmm. and he doesn't finish immediately, you know, she's upset about it. Mm-hmm. She already says to him, like, I never had that problem with other guys. Like, right. so we can tell that even pre-loop things weren't, phenomenal right <laughs> it's one of the very few glimpses we get into pre-loop niles um but what i was gonna say otherwise was who is that lady who talks to them at the table at the beginning and the end i've been to more weddings oh, than you could imagine yeah. grandma the, i feel like the she's first... in the loop right yeah because at right? the end she says um oh what's the ending line um, something like oh, she, she goes she, she tells sarah she's like you know you go on and good luck like it's you're about to you're about to leave. Like she knows that she's about to go blow up the cave. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. yeah, the way she talks, yeah. it feels like she's letting on a little bit more. <laughs> because the first time, just a joke. You know, she makes the line about lots of weddings. Yeah. And Miles goes, huh, yeah, sure. Because right. the punchline is, once the time loop happens, we're supposed to think back and go, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But the second time, she seems to know what's happening. Right. Yeah. That's and what point. an interesting yeah. character. Like, if it's recent, right? There's that one, but she seems like she's been in there for ages. Like that, the way to like, I know that there's a way out of this. And I, I don't like, Tyne and I talked about that too, is like at this like elder age, is it just beautiful to be like, you're with your family, right? Like this, this is like a joyous occasion. If, if you have to live in some place for eternity, why not? Right. But like, it, it's also like, she's not Yoda in this. Adam Sandberg Andy Sandberg is our fucking Yoda. Like he's who guides us through this thing. It's so weird. I, th- yeah, I, that was a piece that I wasn't frustrated. Like it delighted me that like, oh, she might be in it and have chosen to stay. Like, yeah. I really liked that. Mm-hmm. You know, the Yoda comparison is pretty apt actually, because when we first meet Yoda, he's also pretty jaded, you know, in Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Luke shows up and is like, I'm going to save the galaxy. Yep. Train me to be Jedi. The whole thing. Yoda's just like, nope. 
die in my cool. swamp. Get out. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> I love it. And uh, so started the long history of uh, initial dick Jedi training. <laughs> too old. Too old to begin the training. <laughs> yeah. I'll admit, I, I think Palm Springs was a great choice of location just geographically. I mentioned, I mean, the desert and the, the sun, but like, because Palm Springs and Palm Desert are they're kind of like mini Vegases in the sense that you forget they are also real towns that people live in hmm. because they're mostly not. They're mostly just resorts you show up to to only be in the resort and otherwise ignore it, you know? Like kind of like with Las Vegas, it's just a place to go and stay, but like people don't live there, right? It's not a real place, right? But it's miniaturized and feels more isolated somehow. And then also it's, you know, it is, but it isn't. Because, like, she drove to Austin that first time. That's a really long drive, right? But from there to Irvine, which is a proper city, is about two hours, right? But then Irvine's also just in the middle of the desert. I mean, you saw, uh, you know, <laughs> Irvine itself is also, like, there's more there, but there's still nothing there other than the place itself, right? So in addition to the hotel movie theme, every place they went to around Palm Springs felt like another island, either literal island in the desert or just island of time and place, which just worked really well for the overall feel of the film. And I think if you were anywhere else, I don't know if it would have worked quite so well. You know, the, the scale of a, of a really large city would have kind of just ruined everything, right? Mm -hmm. But here we got a lot of space to play with and a lot yeah. of disconnected points to be in that all felt sort of cohesive and yet separated all at the same time. I just, I think that was a really great decision. It's yeah. interesting with what you said about like the hotel as like a location, but like the resort hotel as kind of like this transient space writ large, right? Like no mm -hmm. one lives at the resort. People work there and work like live in the town adjacent and like, but like to live an infinite loop in this disconnected weird not reality world that is a, 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 a resort right like the idea of swim up bar beer in the the pool like th that whole kind of like strangeness like vague permanent vacation pun intended right like that is also a really interesting place to frame because isn't groundhog day like his town right like no, he like, oh yeah yeah he has history there right mm -hmm. isn't like it, it, and it's a small town right it's it's mm -hmm. not like but like Full the dynamic is so very mm -hmm. different from in the middle of the desert at this resort with a wedding to go to like just all of these factors that like kind of disconnect it from reality and then to live that on a loop is just really fascinating sorry Zeke, i i cut you up Oh, you're good. Um, yeah, I was just going to say uh, to Scott's point, like there's just something to be said about the amount of space and the amount of desert around them at all times, basically. Um, and another thing I was going to say, I, I really, I was thinking about it and I, I appreciate the title of the movie, right? It, it's not, you know, repeat wedding day. It's not right. <laughs> a lifetime of weddings. It's not time loop, you know, hot tub wedding date or something like right? <laughs> it's, death, it's, we part yeah. Ooh. <laughs> oh, okay. that's good i like that one there we go you got the sequel going <laughs> but it's not any of those things and i think that helped lend to the surprise and then like not to get um you know back to the sentimental point but i feel like 
and I don't know if I'm reaching too much on just the title of Palm Springs, but like when Roy tells Niles, you know, you have to find your Irvine. I don't know. I, I wonder if Palm Springs is his Irvine, hence the title, hence how much time he spent there or, or the fact that they found each other in Palm Springs. I don't know. I, I just thought it was a really simple title that doesn't give a lot away. Um, and I appreciated that and how much it added to the surprise of the movie for me. There's another hint there in that conversation that when, you know, cause Roy's found happiness in the loop, but, but Niles is there, you know, he hears that and he sort of, it's not what he wants to hear. So mm. despite his argument with Sarah later about like, no, I want to stay in the loop. He also doesn't, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it gets at the fact that what he wants is not to stay in the loop so much as he doesn't want to see what's next. Right. Like the difference. Right. And, and that's sort of why he's, he's almost disappointed to be told to find his own Irvine. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, will you kill me once for all time's sake? You know, beat the <laughs> traffic. Another great right? scene. Yeah, just oh, hops man, in the recycling bin. And... <laughs> where, where did Roy get all his all his equipment? I mean, Jesus. I mean, I, you know, with enough loops, you can do anything, right? Like, right. they got that bomb for their wedding cake bomb prank. <laughs> sure, he, Roy becomes a highway patrol trooper, right? I mean, that, you the know, man has hobbies. Like, like at what point did he? You know, how many loops did he spend, like, stealing highway patrol vehicles unsuccessfully, <laughs> right? You know, or... <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's something I was just thinking about, too. Like, you know, you, you know, you think you, you, know, you still have to eat, but it's like, well, if you've got, like, money or money in the bank, you know, it's like, it's not like you have to continually replenish that money, you know, mm -hmm. you can burn through as much money as you have in one day, and it gets replenished. So it's like, yeah, you can buy whatever shit you want. You can eat whatever food you want. You don't have to work to like get more money back. And it's like, yeah, the more I think about it, I'm like, man, maybe I want to be stuck in the loop. That'd be I was thinking about that <laughs> when she was studying the quantum mechanics, when she Googles, you know, learn quantum whatever online. The next suggested result is learn this online free, but she doesn't <laughs> click on that one. And I was <laughs> like, oh yeah, she can just sign up for all these services on a credit card and never pay the bill. <laughs> like yeah. she can do whatever she wants. <laughs> It's crazy to me to learn quantum mechanics without the ability to take and keep notes. Yeah, I was thinking right? about keeping them too. Like, it's all got to be in your head. It's and, and you have if infinite time, right? And I know that like there had to be a day where she was like, "I am just gonna eat chili cheese dogs today because I need a fucking break." <laughs> like, but I don't like that would be really did not, and that's the laziness in me, right? That's the Niles in me is like. I have to remember all of that shit if I start. Like, I have the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> Zeke, did you have any more to, to you wanted to discuss? Because I, I don't want to... No, I think we got to everything I wanted to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Is it time to move on then, Joel? To, I... to Joel's favorite <laughs> repeating feature of our podcast? <laughs> you guys are stuck in the loop of the situational movie recommendation segment. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll put it right here. It is, it is time for another situational movie <laughs> recommendation. So, um, I, I guess this, this is pretty easy. Um, what's your favorite time loop slash time travel movie? That's what I was going to go with. That's where that was my question. So I'm glad I was going to count on you for a backup, but if it's the same, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Great minds. We've been in yes. this loop before. <laughs> Uh, Back to the Future. Yeah. Not loopy, but 
travel-y and I'll go with that. And then I'll think some more. Well, it's interesting because that would like with, with the timelines it establishes and kind of how it plays with like the, the deviating timelines is very mm-hmm. interesting because, and then uh, the second, the sequel is so much about a loop and you're seeing things from different angles and like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's. And it's very much one where it's like, you know, if you go back and anything you do can trigger, you know, changes throughout the future. And this one just has no regard for that. Right. right. Like they're just every day, they're just messing things up. Um, so yeah, different in that sense, but yeah. I think mine really is live, die, repeat edge of tomorrow. I, mm-hmm. I really like that movie. I, I think it's very clever. Um, really solid plays with the formula that was kind of like before this one that might have been my like most innovative use of the time loop time travel kind of like to video gamify this this alien invasion like effort like i thought that was really i like that a lot i i would have i would pick that too but in an effort to not i have to say looper and i like looper just because of the way it deals with its time travel like get the explanation about how in the future it's been invented so they're sending people back to when it hadn't been invented Mm -hmm. but like the only time in universe we encounter someone outside of that circle of time travelers is when he's first explaining to the the female lead who has her farm right you know he's giving her the spiel time travel hasn't been invented yet but she just oh so you're a looper she gets it boom right and i'm about to spoil looper for anyone who hasn't seen it but I mean, I know. I, okay, I won't. I'll just at the end, the way, the way the time travel resolves itself was just so satisfying, and especially in a way that wasn't, it didn't necessarily make sense. Like things sort of caused paradoxes or time, whatever, and they just went, no, screw that. This is our own movie. Ha- done. Neat ending. Here you go. And it was just beautiful. It didn't feel frustrating or stupid or uh, confusing. They just went, no. Here's your end great and i love it it was so satisfying so yeah looper honorary shout out to in time which has nothing to do with time travel but is entirely time-based and so good that was a real surprise too well now about time is is another one that's great um that's um oh i always forget his name uh, oh crap donald gleason uh, it's a, a tap, time travel romantic comedy where the men in his family have the ability to time oh, travel. Yeah, and it's, I haven't seen that actually. It's outstanding. Oh, it's such a good movie. So, so such a clever use of that me- mechanic, and it, it's one of those ones where things have have effects, and there's certain points where if you change certain things, you can't go back. And it, it's 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 really clever. I every time you bring up in time i think about about time because they came out about the same time and (laughs) just similar naming conventions what about you tim um i I have a few uh one of them is i think uh donnie darko um oh yeah that's a good one which i thought you were gonna pick scott since i can't believe i didn't yeah i was surprised (laughs) to hear that too I, I never think of it as a holiday film or a time travel film for right. some reason. I, I don't think of it as a genre almost mm-hmm. at all. I just, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Don't frame it but, that way. Sorry to disappoint. No, it's okay. <laughs> but, but yeah, just the way it kind of dealt with it from a very um, 
narrow perspective, you know, just like with, with him and, you know, him kind of dealing with it on his own, like pretty much completely on his own, except for, you know, having the rabbit there, you know, but like, you know, like with back to the future, you know, Marty gets to have doc help him, you know, and, and, you know, and I, I mean, I, I love back to the future too, but, but yeah, there's, there's just something about Donnie Darko. That's just, it's, it's so lonely, you know, and, and also kind of taking into that, the whole, you know, Messiah aspect of it, where it's like, I'm going to choose to go back in time to, to save all these people, you know, um, that part's really great. Um, well, and, and I, I wasn't going to say this because it's technically not time travel, but when we kind of open the door to things like it, there's, there's a part of me that, oh, that's right. It was because, you know, because the movie's kind of told in reverse, but Memento, I feel like has a, mm-hmm. a sort of time travel-y feel yeah. to it because you're kind of jumping through time in different ways. And, ju- and it just has to do with the way the story's being told, not actual time travel. Um, but um, uh, another one, this is kind of like almost like a cop-out answer, but uh, Avengers Endgame, like I thought that was, you know, because it wasn't sort of a time travel movie for the sake of a time travel movie, it was using time travel to to wrap up like 20 movies worth of story in sort of the you know uh, you know kind of the only way we can fix this this you know as a as a way of how you know uh, um uh, uh infinity war was kind of like oh yeah you know bad guy wins here you go and you know the only way we can deal with that is kind of going back in time but it wasn't just about okay we got to go back in time and kill Thanos it was also about kind of getting all the infinity gems because they had been destroyed and like you know how many layers that added to it and then as fuck-ups would happen how they would have to try to figure out other ways and um you know and the fact that they had like a limited amount of the pin particles you know so it wasn't just like yeah we'll do this as many times as we need to to get it right you know there were there were like real stakes to it you know like I feel like yeah sometimes with time travel stuff you could say oh well we'll just go back and do it again um, and that's, that's kind of how, and again, like, not that I need to be shown explanations for everything every time, but that was something that did always kind of bug me about, um, Bill and Ted, even though I, I like those movies, it's just kind of like, oh, we'll remember to go leave this thing here later so that we'll have it now. Oh, look, here it is. You know, um, it was, it was kind of funny. You know, I feel like it was a comical take on time travel, but like, I definitely felt like, it was very convenient. It was a very convenient way to look at time travel. Um, whereas like with this, yeah, like I, like I said, there were actual stakes. It's like, you have to get these things from these times and, and we have to, we have to consolidate the ones we're going to get because we only have X amount of trips we can make with X amount of people. And um, yeah. So I think that's probably, and, and also just because, you know, liking the movie in and of itself um for all those other reasons, but, but yeah, kind of, that was where, that was the place, the only place we had left to go with that stuff. You know, it's like, we're going to see all of space and now it's like, Oh, well now we're going to time travel too. And, you know, kind of how that did things. And I, I also really liked the fact that for it to work, they had to go back in time and replace all of the infinity stones so that they were there to not fuck everything up afterwards. And it's just like, yeah, as long as this thing is sitting here, we can take it, use it, and then bring it back and it doesn't upset that timeline. So like, I, I, I liked how there was that part of it too, that they dealt with, with the, with the time travel caper. I think Bill and Ted is one of the cleanest loops. And I, I think yeah. I, it was the first movie that I saw that showed the, like, there's no first example. 
there's no first instance of something that starts a deviant timeline. I like it. Like it, I think it's, it's um, satisfying, like as an element that we don't have to. And that's the thing, like with Bill and Ted, you need it to be a simple time travel mechanic for those guys to be successful, right? It can't be (laughs) multiverses. It has to be a closed loop. And that's how they're successful. Like, I think it's intellectually satisfying in its simplicity. I I will say that. Yeah, Yeah. even though they do get away with some stuff based on it just being a goofy comedy. Yeah. They they thought it out pretty well still. Yeah. You know, they care I think the bones are good of it. Like, me Mm -hmm. for Endgame, like, I still have trouble with the, the time travel like how they got it back. Cause we never see how they get it back to those moments. And I'm not quite sure. I understand how the deviant multiverses work in that. That didn't mean I, I, I loved that movie unconditionally. Like there, there's, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I didn't care how they got there, but it, it just, that, that anytime I think about time travel and like Bill and Ted did it very in, in a way that I could understand without quantum physics. I just like, well, I could do that, you know, like <laughs> the keys were here now. So we just got to remember to put them back where they were. So, but in an effort to uh, get away from using back to the future for every answer, um, <laughs> I will say a hot tub time machine was a fun one. You know, Craig Robinson's hilarious and it's a silly one. You know, if it's on, I'll throw it on. Um, I enjoyed that one. And then we talked about it a lot as, as a reference point for Palm Springs. And I will say that Palm Springs now is probably, you know, one of my favorite um, time travel, time loop movies. But we talked about Groundhog Day as a reference. And I'll I'll say, I mean, I really did like Groundhog Day too. And it's a classic and it's humor and it's, um, I don't know, it's, I think it ages pretty well. Um, I think that's a classic. And so that's got to be up there for me too. When you brought up Dying Darko, Tim, I just tossed into Google list of time movies. You know, I wanted to make sure (laughs) I wasn't missing anything else. I was reminded. I might my age might might hurt me here. Do any of you remember a film called Clock Stoppers? I can no. see the DVD case. I've never right. watched it. Yeah, because I it was a you know it was a like targeted at the middle school kids movie, and I was right in that age. So you know it was very narrow. It's not like it was a like Spy Kids, like a family movie or something. Like it was right. It was right there. That was the one where the kid has the wristwatch that basically right. stops time right just i didn't even remember that that existed until i saw it on this list interesting that none of us chose uh santa claus 3 the escape clause (laughs) 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 there's time travel in that movie i was reminded of recently (laughs) arrival is also a good one specifically with like oh yeah circular understanding of time i really like that one yeah arrival is really good i love the way arrival kept not i not doing the typical genre thing but not like they didn't rub your face in it you know they didn't go like oh look we're gonna do the thing haha we didn't they just (laughs) they just didn't you know they just made something else and let it happen and i just i loved that that was great and the the whole the soundscapes and the visual direction yeah arrival is really good this is good i think i think a lot of for me with a with arrival that made it work was it was like 
it established it as just like, this is just the way the universe works. Like it wasn't a caper. Yeah. It wasn't like, we've got to pull this thing off and we, you know, or this thing happened because it was just like, you know, uh, you, you really feel like you're kind of being shown the universe at a, at a higher level, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it wasn't, yeah, it didn't depend on, well, we've got to figure out how to make this work. Otherwise the good guys won't win the day, you know? And I think that was a lot of what, cause I usually don't like, you know, like a, a, another one is like Terminator, you know, the idea mm-hmm. of someone sending mm-hmm. his own father back in time to have sex with his mother. And it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I, and which is weird too, because I feel like Terminator has also deviated from the original timeline. So it's like, how can you Several say this? this <laughs> yeah. It's like this, this closed loop, but now you're changing things and things can change. So it's like, you are implying, you know, kind of like what, the way you said that, that, you know, there's no one time through first time through it's like well there must be because now you're doing other times through when things are changing um but yeah that always bugged me because it's like well we're dealing with something that we're trying to actively change or actively fix or you know this outcome where yeah like arrival didn't do that it was just like hey we're 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 kind of bringing humanity to this next next level of understanding and it wasn't a matter of like uh, yeah accomplishing something within time travel like we need to Mm -hmm. use time travel to fix something it was like no this is just the way time works and you're going to learn about it Mm -hmm. yeah that was a good pick zika liked that a lot thanks yeah i'm glad everyone liked it it was a fun one yeah great film great discussion brilliant stuff zeke you've been really good at choosing things like within a genre that subvert and and uh, like blow expectations out of the water <laughs> like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, i've had a couple good ones uh proud of this one still very proud of uh bad times so do we think yeah. we keep him around right and yeah like... <laughs> probation periods i think this is yeah the second full cycle no you've had you've had several picks this is like third or fourth cycle for you. Yeah, I think it's four. But I think it's been a full year that he's done it. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, because three in a year. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. <laughs> and they haven't scared him <laughs> off, is the main thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Speaking of cycles, that brings us back around to the maybe to the start, as you were saying before, to Joel, who will be picking next month's film. What will you be bringing us, Joel? <sighs> This was a very hard decision <laughs> because I know what you're picking next, Scott. You totally I mean, ruined. Do you want to <laughs> just pick it instead? Like, I don't, I'm not going to be upset. No, but, but uh, I am going to ruin your pick because you're making me pick the movie before we watch the Citizen Kane of movies. Citizen Kane. Oh, I get what you mean. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so I... In a certain sense, the person at the top of the cycle or whatever it is, like establishes a tone it never really has i've always thought of it as doing that but so i'm like how do you pick a film to 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 lead into the film you're picking which is arguably the greatest film of all time never seen it but that is what it's touted as so huge and i i I didn't know what to pick um i'm going with kind of an obscure pick that i think is a masterpiece i recently discovered that is also available on streaming for all of us. So this is uh, Jacques Tati's uh, Playtime. Um, Ooh, yay. <laughs> so I don't want to give you too much context on it. Um, Jacques Tati is a French uh, comedic actor, mime, choreographer, director, writer. Um, he's 
basically if there's the 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 evolution of man if chaplin's the first guy jerry lewis is the second tati's the third and he's very close to standing up right um <laughs> this film i i just had a running list of criterion collection films that i wanted to watch as i had like canopy or the criterion collection or channel subscriptions it was always on my list and i finally ended up watching it with very little context and fell in love with it immediately it's brilliant and i'm just really excited to to, to have you guys see it and discuss it with you so jacques That's tati's playtime to be followed by scott's choice of <laughs> no i think that's a great choice I, a i'm just really i've learned very little about jacques tati but the tiny bit i learned made me just be like i need to go watch this stuff and i mean of course the list of what i need to watch is enormous so it hasn't happened so i'm glad you're pushing it into my face <laughs> um but also what little i know if my understanding is correct uh this will be a really great choice to lead into my next pick because it's so different if that makes sense, does that yeah. hold solid? No, I, I, I think that's. I mean, never seeing Citizen Kane, I I do think that this is a very different sensibility of filmmaking and very yeah. different from what Citizen Kane is. Yeah, that's I uh, that'll be good. So yeah, you guys also can set the tone all you want, I, but I'm bringing pop star. <laughs> bring your you can bring your citizen canes you can bring your criterion collections but we're going lonely island for my pick so I, I am gonna bring I, citizen kane but actually even that i was telling you zeke about the, the things that are on your list that are just none of them mm -hmm. has jumped out kane has been on there like that and mm -hmm. the only reason i'm even bringing it is because i want to go see mank with joel <laughs> and it's about the screenwriter of citizen kane yeah, fair enough, and he yeah. was like oh i want to see kane first and i was like well okay then that's okay, this is happening <laughs> right so it's godzilla all over again yeah. i've influenced the choice of yours <laughs> what were you saying Plus, joel, i feel like i i have it i have a worse job so i have to follow citizen kane <laughs> <laughs> well i mean maybe not yeah. You know, you're, maybe you'll all hate it band, you know? <laughs> you're yeah. the the cycle breaker though because ever since you brought freddie got fingered like you're <laughs> like you storm breaker whatever you bring it's a new cycle tone like it's it's not <laughs> <laughs> i'm just bringing freddie got fingered again <laughs> should i bring well, zeke hasn't breaker, seen but... it <laughs> there we go okay all right <laughs> no I have, have had... I have something in mind we've had As no usual, repeats, i think so. i have my i think i have my next three picks Oh damn! Good. So, yeah. No, but I'm. There are also ones that have been sitting on my list that haven't jumped out enough, and it's like now that I got through all my favorites, it's like okay, yeah, I can they're starting to now. filter to the top. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that was great. That was a phenomenal episode, you guys. Thank you, Zeke, for bringing us Palm Springs. That was incredible. And uh, thank you, Joel and Tim, for continuing through the purgatory of recording sessions <laughs> with us. <laughs> yeah, and thank you, listeners for you know if you if you made it this far for joining us on this journey and we hope you'll be back next time until then good night bye bye see you tomorrow morning <laughs> <laughs> did you know movie mumble has its very own twitter account please follow us on twitter at movie mumble ntg and tweet at us with questions reviews or recommendations of things you'd like us to watch next